0: Welcome back to Heavy Wireless Podcast, part of the Pack of Pushers podcast network. My name is Keith Parsons, and today I'm with Roel Dionisio. Roel, how are you doing today? Hey, Keith. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me here. We brought you on to talk about starting a Wi-Fi consulting practice. I thought of lots of people in our industry who do it, and you've done a fantastic job, and you've been very open to the public and tell people about how it goes. So I thought you could share your experience. So maybe we back up way back up to the very beginning. You had a full-time job and enjoyed your job and you decided to also add some wifi consulting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I actually still have that full-time job. So uh, I still have a full-time employer and uh, I, around the same time I went to this employer, I started consulting and I did it because, um, I had just left a managed service provider. And from there, I felt that Wi-Fi was such a, um, like there weren't a lot of people that knew Wi-Fi. They just knew how to put up access points and and turn them on, but they didn't really know how to configure it. And, and during my stint there at the MSP, that managed service provider, I even learned I was doing it wrong. So eventually I got you know, my certifications and then uh, focused on the consulting side on just Wi-Fi. So I really niched it down and said, hey, I'm going to do Wi-Fi. I'm going to um, write a lot about doing Wi-Fi for enterprise space, for warehouses. And then eventually um, it drew in some business that way.
0: You you also blog, you also have a podcast, uh, mm-hmm. Clarity Sand Podcast. It's what, how many, 100 plus episodes?
1: Yeah, I think we're mid 300s about now, somewhere around there. Um, I don't even keep track anymore. Once you start, you know how this goes. Once you start making episodes, you, you're just making them, cracking them out. It's 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 still more like a hobby for me and my co-host Francois, but uh, we learn that way. Uh, we learn Wi-Fi um, through, by making these podcast episodes. And then also it becomes a, a marketing tool for us as well, because people learn about these episodes and they listen and they, they either decide that, hey, I can do this myself or I can reach out to me uh, or Francois to for for help.
0: Did you do that on purpose, thinking that was going to be part of your marketing for your consulting practice?
1: No, and we actually don't advertise it, uh, advertise our businesses that much on the podcast. I think it, once people learn about us, they know that we, we do consulting. Uh, and then for me, it's just more consulting on the side. But I think it just kind of transformed that way because our primary focus was to learn and educate other people about Wi-Fi. So our audience is mainly engineers or people who are are trying to get into Wi-Fi. So it's not necessarily targeted towards like uh, managers or buyers or or people trying to find uh, consultants to work with.
0: Well, it it worked very well for you. It's a a very popular and and great podcast. And I do like your show notes are kind of bloggish along with each one. So there, yeah. you, you contain data in the show notes, which helps. Yeah. Well, let's focus on your consulting practice. What did, mm-hmm. what did you do to start? I mean, the, the, that yeah. first, that very, very first thing when you're, you know, maybe talking with your spouse and you go, I think I want to do this. How did you get started?
1: Yeah, The there's the business aspect of it, which is formalizing your business. And I'm in California, so there's a lot of uh, hoops I got to jump through. But in terms of finding your first client, usually the first client is the the hardest one, and then after that, I would say your third or fifth client would be even harder, because it's easy to get kind of the second and third. Uh, just in, in my opinion, but the way that I really got started was blogging a lot. So a lot of my, um, a lot of the the good things that came my way happened to be from blogging and making videos. I don't do it as much today, but uh, you know, I'm trying to get back into it. But earlier, a lot of I I would um, attribute a lot of some of the successes I had was from from writing. And so I would write for the targeted um, person I was trying to reach. So either an IT manager or a, a systems administrator or a network engineer that just didn't know Wi-Fi. So I would write very specific topics that targeted questions that they might have. And and then I would com- uh, combine that with SEO or search engine optimization. And at the time I was in uh, the Bay Area, Northern California. So I would target companies in the Bay Area uh, just based on like what they would search for on Google.
0: And how'd that work out for you?
1: I remember getting the first client, which was uh, a warehouse uh, in Southern California. And that was kind of like the biggest the biggest one uh, I had at that time, like I was even surprised, like how big they were and they decided to to meet up with me. Uh, I actually met on site. I didn't even charge them for that visit. I just wanted to, you know, try to win the sale. So I did it based on trying to be as resourceful, uh, resourceful as I can. So I met up with them and took a tour. They were talking to me and, and and for those who are getting started, what you want to do is let them do most of the talking. Um, and And don't oversell by taking over the conversation. Let them describe what their problems are, what their challenges are. Uh, take note of what those what those could be. And then near the end, you could you could discuss how you could fix all of those challenges. So you want to be a listener uh, from from that standpoint so you could understand what they're what they're trying to solve.
0: and did you, on that first visit, know the solution? i mean, you, you they obviously had a problem they yeah. talked through it and you yeah. you already did you have the solution in mind as they were talking
1: i did because walking through it at that time i had already got gotten i think my cwna uh, a few of the CWMP certifications so i knew what i was looking at what some of their problems were with handheld scanners um they would mention things like roaming and going from between racks to inside of a refrigerator uh things like that and I could see what what the problems were and obviously they didn't have a design so someone just kind of put access points wherever they needed and we ended up doing a full design for them and that actually worked out very well
0: and so that that first sale did it did it scare you or did it give you reason to move <laughs> on
1: it didn't scare me um when i when i move on certain things i have uh very certain level of confidence in, in what I'm doing. Uh, I, th- and I think be- a lot of that led up the way that led up to that point was, um, I was in a lot of situations with the managed service provider where I was kind of, you know, hesitant and scared because of things I didn't know, or I didn't know how to approach it, but I had really good managers there. So I learned a lot from how to handle certain things, how to handle stress, how to handle maybe some uncertainty. Uh, so I, I worked a lot on my soft skills and also just having the confidence and, and knowing that I could do what I'm about to do. Uh, and of course, like you you make some errors along the way, but you try to learn from those. right. So there are certain situations where I have a client and then uh, maybe they didn't like working with me and uh, I don't hear from them again. And so I learn from from those. I, I will try to get feedback from certain people. I'm not afraid to ask for feedback either. I'll just say, like, I'll send surveys to clients and be like, "How did you? How would you rate me as an engineer who came out to to do the work and and just get feedback that way?" But uh, I will reflect on some of the projects that I do and go, "All right, what went what went right? What went wrong? How can I change that? Um, what I, what do I need to do differently? Or you know, what what was I doing even on my personal life that kind of led to?" either a success or failure for that project.
0: So when you first started, were you on that warehouse project? Did you sell the gear to go in along or were you just selling services?
1: Um, I think I sold, yeah, I sold the gear as well. So I'll, around that time, I knew I, I also wanted to resell um, network equipment. And so the first one I did was to be a partner with Cisco, but more on the Meraki side. Um, that one was kind of a challenge too, because being at that time, being like a one person business, I don't think, um, these vendors like that, or they don't put any preference towards you, right? You're smaller, plus you got to build up that, that clout with, with the distributor and the vendor. So that way you could actually sell, um, additional hardware. Cause there's, there's like a certain cap they put you at. So if you, if I, at that time had, had I just started and I tried to sell something like $500,000 worth of equipment, they, they probably would be like, can you, can you do that? Can your business do that? Are you able to handle it? And so there's things like that where, um, on the business side, it all comes down to like how you invoice, when are you going to get paid for that invoice? When can you pay the distributor? Like there's all sorts of things that I learned, learned along the way that I didn't even know how to, how to deal with. But I, Like when I work with other people, I always tell them like, ask questions. So if I'm talking to the distributor, like I ask them what people would consider dumb questions, but I don't consider them dumb because I would be dumb if I didn't get paid and I was then on the hook for equipment, you know, like, so I wanted to be sure I knew what was going to happen after, you know, seven days, 30 days, whatever.
0: I, I have a really scary, bad story from when I first got started many, many decades ago. I had bid on a project that I saw a PO came out for a university. They wanted printers. And I happened to be with the distributor who sold the printers selling, yeah. I was I think I was selling telephone gear at the time. But this printer thing came up and I, I admittedly didn't know anything about anything and thought I was like, King of the world because I won the bid for (laughs) a hundred printers. And so I went and and had a truck and I went to the distributor and picked up a hundred printers, took them, delivered them to the customer, took the invoice into the customer and stood there. And the customer's like, and I'm like, Well, you're gonna pay me? (laughs) And they're like, No, this was net 30. And I had no idea what net 30 meant. And I'm standing there with this invoice that I I thought I was pretty good. Cause I actually made an invoice in Excel and it looked, it looked kind of, kind of like normal. And the yeah. guy goes, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you. Is this address correct? Yeah. And everything's right. And then I'm standing there and he's just like, well, I'll pay you. And he had said net 30 <laughs> like three times. And finally I did your stupid question and said, what does net 30 mean? And he explained it to me. And then I'm like, I think I was going to cry. And I might've actually <laughs> cried in front of him. And he's like, what's wrong? And I went, Well, I wrote a hot check at the distributor because I just thought I was going to pick them up, deliver them and have a check. And it was Friday afternoon. So I'd have time before Monday to deposit it. Yeah. And he just looks at me and he's like, we don't even cut checks till next Thursday. Yeah. And I'm thinking I'm going to jail because, (laughs) because I didn't ask that question. So if you don't know terms net 30, you know, when are you going to get paid? Who gets paid? Um, and distributors, net
1: 60 or net 90. (laughs) Yeah. And
0: some, and sometimes when they say net 30, they don't really mean net 30.
1: They don't. Yeah. I'm dealing with that now. Uh, and you'll, as a, as someone who's consulting, you'll always run into this. You'll send your invoice. It's net 30. They haven't paid within 30 days. They're late. Um, so you got to hound them. So there's, you got to account for all this time that you're not going to get paid for. Right. So the whole, um, trying to, email them, call them, say, Hey, what's the status? Is it going to come in via check? Or are you going to give me an ACH? Like, what is it? Um, so I'm dealing, I deal with that all the time. It, it happens. People pay late, but uh, that's where, you're, that's when I've learned to like add late fees. So I'll say, Hey, just so, you know, if you don't pay on time, I, I want to avoid having to add a late fee on your invoice. And then they start jumping. They're like, Oh, late fee. Okay. Well, I, I don't want to pay that. And sometimes they do pay it. It like, depends on the company. Some companies don't care. Like <laughs> they have so much money, they don't care about paying.
0: I remember the so f- first time, was. have you ever run across someone who has a 210 net 30? No. <laughs> it's, a, it's if they pay within 10 days, they automatically get a 2% discount.
1: Oh yeah. I would not
0: accept that. So, so a, <laughs> a 210 net 30 sounds good, but then they pay right away, but then they, they just take 2% off. Well, that, yeah. I didn't approve that. And then they come yeah. back and tell you what oh, was right there at the bottom of the invoice. Yeah,
1: you got to read, read everything, right? So, depending on the size of the company, some of them, you know, they'll have their own terms. Uh, and then other companies, they'll just accept your invoice and pay it. So,
0: yeah. And, and some people pay that same day. It, it, mm-hmm. it happens. So, it's just one of those things you have to know about. So, you Definitely. moved on for, you had, you had your first one, second mm-hmm. and third customers come along. What did you do to get that fourth and fifth customer?
1: Yeah, um, at that point, you actually need to start reaching out to your network. And this is where networking, not not the technical piece, but networking and talking with other people and creating relationships uh, and actually caring about people uh, really starts to help, right? So uh, once you start, say, like on LinkedIn, you start telling people that you do this work, then people start to remember you. So as long as you uh, keep up to date with like your blog and you post stuff on LinkedIn, you 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 always want to be top of mind with people. so if they constantly see your stuff, they'll remember you right. Um, and, and you always want to be on topic. So with me, I was always posting Wi-Fi stuff, Wi-Fi related stuff, anything that I could get out of whatever clients I already had, so I could if I can turn one into a testimonial, take pictures, videos, and use that. I will use it and post it. And then eventually someone will come around saying, hey, um, I have this client or or I have an issue. Would you be able to help? And so that's a lot of my uh, clients come in to through the website or as a referral. So there's not much actually sales where I'm calling out, trying to try to develop a pipeline. And I probably should, but being that I'm small, I just, I just don't.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's, um, financially feasible when you're little because yeah. a salesperson needs a commission and they need mm-hmm. to have an income. And mm-hmm. as a, as the owner of the business, you're thinking, well, if I got a guy to go sales, yeah. I'll get more sales. And that's probably true, <laughs> yeah. but there's an expense there that, yeah. you know,
1: might, you might have not be upfront. covered. Yeah. Yeah. It's an upfront expense and in, in, in IT that sales cycle, like how long you're going to get a client. It tends to be very long so either like six months or even longer for especially big big uh deals where you're talking a large amount of money that a that a company is going to spend they're not just going to go yeah sure we'll 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 spend money with you and then uh also there's the whole there there's i run into clients where they just hate onboarding new vendors so there's that challenge as well so it's a whole bureaucratic process on trying to uh add me into their system so I could get paid. So sometimes it's easier to go underneath another company that's already in. And so you're technically being subcontracted to do something very specific. So there's like a lot of ways to, to get a client and usually you want to leverage your, your network. um, And, and this is where I tell people like, you always want to be kind. You always want to be positive, share good things um, because it's, it's, it's you that's ultimately the salesperson, right? I'm, I'm a salesperson, whether I like it or not. I have to sell myself. I have to sell the business. People are going to look you up. They're going to want to say, hey, do I want to do business with this person or this company? So that's kind of the uh, perception you got to put out there and, and kind of be genuine there as well.
0: Where did you go learn about the mechanics and the, the pieces that have to move for the business side of it?
1: Uh, I read a lot of books. so I have a bookshelf on on this side. I have a lot of business books. Uh, I have a lot of sales books how to how to say things certain ways in order to try to get certain sales. I've um, I, I do I take free webinars. So California has free webinars on tax stuff. So rather than having to go look for a book that teaches you how to deal with taxes, uh, I just get that straight from the government that I give, Tax money, too. So that's where you can ask a lot of questions. Um, uh, they, there's a lot of free re- resources out there. There's the small business administration. They're helpful as well. So a lot of things are are available online. There's people that I talk to, uh, other business people that I talk to uh, just to get ideas for like how to do things in the business. So for me, right now, it's about processes. So I talk a lot with Francois about. Processes we should have in place on the business, so that way, if we bring on a subcontractor or, or an employee, like there's already process in place that they could follow, or or they would know or understand how you do, uh, business with other clients. So, lots of reading, lots of books, audio books as well, because I do drive up to the Bay Area quite a bit, so I can knock out, at least two audio books, on the way there and on the way back.
0: Well, it sounds like this takes a lot of energy. (laughs) it does it does so if you were going to define if someone's sitting back thinking i want Mm -hmm. to be a wi-fi consultant Mm -hmm. what would the personality traits be that you would recommend you need to have in order to i mean we just talked about energy but in addition to that Mm -hmm. what would someone need if they want to look inside themselves and say i think i'm ready for this
1: yeah yeah if if anyone follows me, I'm, I'm, I take a slow process to things. I'm very um, methodical. I, I like to think things through. So the, I always like to learn. Just, I do just-in-time learning. So if I know I'm going to need a certain skill, I will go and learn it as much as I can just for that, that specific task. So um, you have to know how to calculate risk. Um, there's a certain level of risk that you're going to take as a consultant. And you have to be able to determine that, what you're comfortable with, what you're comfortable losing. So how much time you wanna lose if that this doesn't pan out or um, how how you're going to invoice. Um, there's things like uh, soft skills. Soft skills I think are the most important piece because as an engineer, we're engineers. We know how to talk technically. But a lot of times when you're trying to make a sale, you're talking to a decision maker, a manager, Someone who's going to write the check, right? could be a CFO. So you need to speak their language as well. Uh, and that means you have to speak intelligently about that. And even if you don't know, you want to maybe sound confidently wrong <laughs> rather than questionably wrong. Like, I think I'm going to do it this way, or I think you should do it this way. Like, You just want to be confident in, in, in how you do things. And if you want it, that's just what you have to want, right? Uh, So it's a lot of uh, communication skills, how you write emails, how you communicate with people, um, how much transparency you want to provide. I, I provide a lot of transparency with my clients and they, they actually love me for that. And I think I, that's just how I attract the right clients. I've had clients that um, they didn't communicate properly or they didn't, they didn't um, work to like how I would do business. And so I would just cut them off. I'd just be like, uh, you know, I'm going to cancel this agreement. Um uh, you've already paid me like 50% and I feel like I've done 50% of the work, I'm gonna we're gonna just cut our ties there. And and sometimes that even means if if it's a small invoice, like let's say, let's say they're they I had one client where they were super late. I, I would say like three months late, and I only added a 1% late fee. And I said, Hey, just pay this one percent late fee, we're done. And all they did was just pay the invoice and skip the late fee, and so um, and that was because when I do work with new clients, I actually request fifty percent upfront to do the work before I do anything, um, and then that depends like on the person I'm working with. If I feel like their accounting process is good, I'll I might let that slide, but this client just didn't pay, and then they ended up paying the invoice but not the late fee, and so I said, hey, uh, I'm just going to cancel the agreement because I think your processes are like, they're not aligned with like how I process things. It doesn't make sense. I feel like you guys don't do business properly. And so they, they came back with, are you really going to cancel this agreement over $24? And I said, yeah, because it's my process. Like, I'm not gonna skip the process and, and then have you do it again on the other 50%. So like, there's a way you have to stand by your principles running a business and then also show that to other clients. Like you can't just put up this fake wall or or perception and then not really be about that, right? So I think um, it, it all just comes back to like running the business you think should be, you should run and and attracting the right clients. Cause I don't just take on any client as well. Like I, and I'll have initial calls. I'll try to figure out like, Hey, what's, what's it like at this business? Do I feel like um, they'll pay me if, if if I do work with them? So there's a lot to it. It's not just about making money.
0: So what would the personality traits be of a good consultant? If someone is thinking for themselves,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm, I'm ready to do this. What would you recommend that they have it before they start?
1: Yeah, uh, you've got to be open-minded um, and not be very close-minded I think engineers tend to be close-minded in in the way they think Um, you've got to have uh, like excellent communication skills you've got to have empathy as well because when you're dealing with maybe a manager you don't know like what they're dealing with inside of their company there's probably other aspects to it that you don't know Um, you've you've got to be on your ball so planning is like a big thing for me. So being able to think four or five steps ahead of what might happen. Uh, so I do a lot of planning and, and I do a lot of documentation as well. So like documenting things that happen. What I have with meetings, if someone says something verbally, I like write, write it down because then they won't send it to you via email and then they'll say like, oh, I never, I never said that or I never agreed to that. Um, so basically uh, also looking out for yourself. <laughs>
0: Little little CYA. Well, Roel, thank you very much for sharing your time. If you were going to do this all over again,
1: mm-hmm.
0: would you do anything different?
1: Uh, I think I would probably do more sales. Uh, I don't like cold calling, but I've, I've, the one time, the first time I did, it, I ended up getting a sale, and I haven't gotten a sale since. But I think uh, there's a certain like I get scared doing it, just calling someone and being declined, you know, or hung up on. But I think uh, I think I would have maybe a little bit more success that way, and I think it does work. It's just it's just like a certain way to approach it that that does work. But the other thing I would do differently is um, delegate tasks to other people uh, as early as possible, because uh, at this point in time, like you'll get super busy, especially if you've got a full time job. Like it's incredibly hard to. Do everything and your your full time job. So if you can offload accounting, for example, do that. If 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 you need special specialized engineering, go do that. Get try to bring someone on and have a network of people that you could trust that and, and work with occasionally.
0: Well, thanks for your time again, Roel. This has been another yeah, episode you. of Heavy Wireless, part of the Packet Pushers Packet Podcast Network. And we're glad that you listened to this episode and stay tuned for further episodes in the future. Thank you.